Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Galit Speaks podcast. I'm here with Jenny Kennedy. I'm so excited. Her, uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. She left home to a worse situation with a man that she thought loved her. He was a deacon in her church and was very abusive in subtle ways. This led to a larger than life love affair that lasted more than 20 years with cocaine and booze that was very good until it was bad. So two children and two partners later and many failed attempts, as well as the loss of lots of friends and family. She's now a partner, a mother, a life coach and happy. Uh, Jenny 5.0, a better version of the worst part of the best of her. And come June, she will be permanently, oh, so right now she is uh, permanently in Coral Gables in an amazing group. Thank you so much for being here, Jenny. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your journey and how you came to, you know, be with this man as well as like, how did that contribute to your addiction? Um, well, this man I met when I was very young. I, um, I met him at a church that I had went to. Um, his wife was my Sunday school teacher and I, he was married to her, of course. Um, and when she passed away, I was older and, one thing led to another, and then I ended up being with him, and I moved to Tampa with him, and um, ended up being in a relationship with him, and um, ended up being in a, a different scene, a bar scene with him, which I knew that he was part of for many, many years, because that is something that... Um, he testified to in our church um, and different churches. He, he went on the circuit preaching against that, but was also still in kind of, you know, living two lives. And um, that's where I, I learned to drink very well and party hard. And that's where I became, um, I started not only in a love affair with him, but also with cocaine. I loved very much, probably more than I loved anything else in my life. Um, and that's where I met my first partner, my, my first female partner, which I left him for. Um, and from there, my life was just uh, no more than clubs and drugs and all kinds of things. Um, but with him, um, it was a lot of, a, a emotional abuse, a lot of physical abuse, um, and a lot of drug abuse on my part. Um, but of course I was very young. I didn't realize that's what was happening until I got much, much older, but, um, he was quite abusive in many ways. Um, of course, you know, I wanted to get away from my parents and all kinds of different things as many young kids do at the time, you know, at that age. And that's what I did. 
you know, thought I was leaving for a better life and I really wasn't. So um, that's pretty much what happened there that led to um, um, a lot of heartache, a lot of heartache there. Yeah. So. Do you think that um, he targeted you because you were younger and looking to leave your your parents' house? Or absolutely, absolutely. Um, through lots of therapy of my own that I've gone to, um, yes, I do because I think that um, you know once I got to a certain age, he started seeking out younger girls himself. Um, so, you know, once I got, you know, too old for him, he started, you know, looking for younger girls, um, and even, you know, would have me have, you know, find somebody younger for me, you know? So it was, um, it was a strange relationship with him. Um, and I'm sure that he did that with, you know, his wife, you know, before me, I, I wasn't married to him, but I'm sure that he actually did that with her. And I, I recall now that, you know, I would hear stories about that, but of course I was 20, 21 years old at the time. And I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't wanting to hear any of that because, you know, I was young. I had an older man that was in, interested in me and, you know, so, you know, that's, that's exciting for young girls. You know, I think that you're excited to, you know, that someone finds interest in you. It's the money. It's the, it's, you know, all of the things that they're, he's buying you, he's doing for you. He's taking you on trips. He's taking you here. He's taking you there. And, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of romance. It's a lot of, it's not just the romance of him. It's the romance of everything around it's the drugs, it's the, it's the clubs, it's the clothes, it's the gifts, it's everything else until it's not. And I often tell my daughters, I have two daughters now. It's like, you know, be careful because their best foot's forward until, you know, it doesn't take very long for that, for that, you know, the way I put it is like this, their best foot's forward, but it doesn't take long to kick the other foot in front of that one. You know, you understand? Yeah. So by that you, time, you're already invested. You know, you you may be invested. Exactly. You know, it doesn't take long. So, you know, just because everything is, you know, they, they hit you once, they, they, you know, they beat you up once and they say, oh, I'm never going to do it again. But you know, and they may not for a year or two, but it's the psychological abuse and the emotional abuse of wondering when it is that that's going to happen. So, yeah. you know, that's a lot of what I went through. You know, he did hit me once and then he didn't do it again for a very long time, but I was always wondering when it was going to be, you know? So, you know, that's... And I would much rather have the hell beat out of me than to constantly worry about when the next time is going to be, because, you know, I can heal from that physical abuse, yeah. 
but you don't heal from that emotional, phys you know, psychological abuse. So, you know. So you said something about, um, so you said something about your addiction. Can we talk My about that for, for a little sure. bit? And yes, how that started and was it just going to these bars and lounges and clubs with him that you got introduced to it? Or was that something that took a different path? No, no, no. Well, it was just, I got introduced to it with him, but it didn't just stop with him. I mean, it went on for years and years and years. I mean, I had a 20, 25, 30 year addiction with booze um, and cocaine on and off. I did, I did have like a 10 year period. I didn't use, and then I started using again. Um, I've been clean and sober this time about five years um, from everything completely. Um, I also work as a substance abuse counselor. Um, I've been working mental health 20, 25 years on and off in some way, shape or form. Um, and I even became an addiction counselor at the same time as I was not sober or clean. So talk about being a hypocrite, you know, here it was. So I could actually, you know, tell, you know, point it out to everybody else what they were doing, but I was actually leaving and going out and doing the same thing. So, you know, but you can't tell someone about their own addiction, you know, until they're ready to do it, you know, it's like, you know, but I personally went through, I lost family. I've lost friends through all this 20, 25 years of drinking and using and money, losing money, losing everything. And it came down to the point of almost losing my family, um, my kids, everything. So, yeah, um, I had a, a, a good 25 year love affair with cocaine and I was very, very good at it till I got very, very bad at it. So, yeah. yeah. And so what was your breaking point? What was, what was the low that made you finally decide I have to be sober? I woke up at my mother's house <laughs> and I laugh about that now, but my, my children got really, really angry at me. My partner, my current partner, um, who I've been with for 20 years this time, um, her and I've been together for 20 years and my children got very, very angry at me. I was, you know, they had this little intervention and as they were, they tell me the story. I remember nothing about this, but they were sitting on the sofa telling me that, you know, I needed to straighten up after they've told me this many, many times. I've had plenty of 90 days sober, plenty of 90 days. But this time they told me I needed to stop, you know, or they were done with me. I had to leave. And I had gotten up out of the chair and went to the kitchen and opened a bottle of bourbon and tipped it up. And they were just looking at me like I was crazy, which apparently that is pretty crazy. But um, yeah, um, 
my kids called my mother to come and get me. So I woke up the next day at my mother's house with her standing over the top of me. And I was in disbelief because that was the last thing with the relationship I had with my mother. That was the last thing I ever wanted was to be in the presence of my mother, sober or intoxicated. And they left me there for like 10 days. And I was just like, I never, ever want that to happen again. And I really don't want to lose my kids. So at that point, that was it. I never have touched a drug or a drink since. And that was five years ago. But I have had several, several bouts at rehab. And that didn't even do it for me. So, and there just gets to a point that you get to an age that I think you have to be ready yourself. Nobody else can do that for you. But yeah, it's, yeah, I think my mother could possibly be the cure for addiction (laughs) right out the, right out of the gate right there. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, so you were with a man in your early 20s. How did you um, come to terms with being part of the LGBTQ community? Because I know that you said it happened shortly after leaving the relationship with him. It did. But I had, I had struggled with my sexuality all through my teenage years. And I had, you know, I had lots of, lots of boyfriends and, and, and things. And, you know, I kept trying and I was raised very Southern Baptist and, you know, no one wanted to hear about being gay, but, um, and I, you know, kept trying and kept trying and, you know, it, and I've been with lots of wonderful people, but, um, I was what I was and, and I just, you know, I had just decided that, you know, I, I needed to be true to myself and that's, that's how that happened. You know, I just wasn't going to lie to myself anymore. And I think maybe that a lot of that was just, you know, a lot of that self-medication and stuff was, I was not happy with him first of all. And I didn't like the way I was being treated and that was masking that pain for one And then a lot of the other things that I had went through and, you know, and also I I believe also that alcoholism and stuff like that. I mean, it's hereditary. I mean, I tell both of my children now, listen, you've got bad genes, (laughs) you know, you've got to be very, very careful. So um, that's when I, I, when I left him, I was with my first partner for several years. And like I said, the, the, my, my wife that I'm with now, my partner, um, we've been together for 20 years and I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy with her. And we have two wonderful children together. So, yeah. Amazing. And, um, has she been your support throughout the, the struggles year after year and now these, these five years? Yes. Yes. She's been my, my main support and, you know, 
and I've been horrible. I mean, there's been times that I have been, you know, I, I'm very grateful that she has stayed with me and that she has been my support through all of this. I mean, I've even had times that my, my therapist, I have been the, the worst to my therapist. You know, I've even been fired by my therapist. So, I mean, I've, yeah, yeah, she has been, she has been my, my rock through all of this and my children. I have a daughter that's 22 and I have one that's 16. And, you know, I mean, by all rights, especially my oldest daughter probably should not even speak to me today. And she does. I mean, they, they have, they have went to new levels of forgiveness and I am very grateful for that. Very, very grateful for them. Yeah. So what, let's say someone is out there and is listening um, and they have a partner or a mother or a relative that is currently undergoing addiction. What would you say would be some of the ways that they could support them without enabling them? Without enabling them? I mean, the, the best thing to do is just keep encouraging them to get help. That would be my, my biggest suggestion. Um, get people that you know that truly, truly care, people that you can trust. Um, organize an intervention. And if that doesn't work, you know, t sometimes tough love is the best love, you know that threat of, of my partner and my children going to leave and walk out on me, that, that was a total wake up call for me besides waking up at my mother's house, you know, um, offer every Avenue you can for help. AA is another thing. I personally am not an AA person. Um, although I have been to AA, but there's other, there's other organizations out there. You just, you know, look in your, for your local resources. All different communities have different resources. There's churches, there's AA, there's other kinds of um, help out there. You just have to look for the resources that is offered in your community. And there's, there's different free ones. There's different advocacy, advocacy centers that you can get involved. And all you have to do is contact them and they can direct you in the, in the best direction, maybe for you. You just have to, you know, make that anonymous phone call. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to do anything. Just call. It's the same thing for abuse. You know, there's always someone willing to help and always someone willing to listen. So. So let me ask, now that you're clean and sober and started up this new venture, right? Your new life. Tell me a little bit about what that looks like. What it looks like for me now, I've, we recently have moved to Miami and I have recently started, um, I got certified, I started a new avenue. I am now a life coach and I have an office in Coral Gables. Um, and I, I do general life coaching, um, instead of helping, you know, 
people figure out their past and deal with their addictions and so forth. It's more or less, I take people now, I hold their hand and help them move forward into their future. Um, you know, compartmentalize their life a little bit and organize it a little bit and move on and move on into their future and, and figure out what they want to do and the way that they want to do it. And, um, I'm working um, up underneath Coral Gables Counseling Center with a lot of wonderful people there. And if there's something I can't handle, we have tons of counselors and, and lots of wonderful people I can refer them back to if they want to, you know, deal with other issues. And, you know, being a life coach is something I've always wanted to do. It's a way of still helping people without necessarily, you know, putting them on a street they used to live on. Like I used to be an addict and I used to, you know, do a lot of things, but I don't live on that street anymore. And I don't let anybody put me on that street anymore. I'm now moving forward. And so when people want to continuously move forward in their life now, that's what I help them do. And that's what I've dedicated the rest of my latter part of my life doing. And so that's what I help people do now. Okay, that sounds really, really inspiring. Do you share any of your story with, with your clients? I do. When, you know, if opportunity presents itself, yes, I do. Anytime that I can, I can offer anybody any kind of hope to let them know that, you know, the only difference between you and I is that, you know, I sit here and you sit there. I've always been that way, even when I was a substance abuse counselor, when I was sober. Um, the only difference between you and I is that diploma on the wall, or I sit here, you sit there. And it's the same thing as being a life coach. The only thing different, the only difference between you and I is I'm here, you're there, but we're going to do this together. And I am constantly, you know, telling my kids that I tell my clients the same thing. And there's no difference between me or anybody else. We're all human. We're all trying to get to a happier place. And yes, I share my story with everybody. Absolutely. I, I like that you're able to be authentic and that you're not hiding your past from your clients. Um, I want to know a little bit uh, more about what it's like for you in Florida being part of the LGBTQ community? <laughs> um, well, for, for me, um, I, I'm not out in the clubs and I'm not out, you know, doing a lot of things anymore because, you know, I'm, my life is a little bit different now. But um, for my friends, I could tell you from their perspective what it's like because I have spoken to a lot of them. I have a lot of friends that are, are drag queens and I have a lot of transgender friends. Um, and it's a scary time here in Florida for a lot of them because our governor, I'm trying to, I'm just going to be on a Navarra here. Our governor is horrible. <laughs> He's just a terrible person. Um, so um, it's a, it's a scary, scary time for them. Um, 
not just for the LGBT community, um, but in education here. It's just a scary time. Um, it's, it's almost as if he has broken off the state of Florida and let it float out into the ocean somewhere, and we don't exist with the rest of the United States. Um, although I know there are other states that are, are, you know, under the same kind of, you know, laws and, or, you know, weird things that we're, we're suffering with now. But, um, you know, the transgender thing and the, the drag queen thing during pride months, I know that we were very worried here because, you know, they didn't want to have a lot of the performers out in drag because they thought the children would see them. It was really about the kids. That's what really I think the biggest thing was about was about the children, you know, what it, it, and it really was never about the kids. I mean, you don't take your children to a gentleman entertainment bar. You don't take your children to a drag bar at night or you don't, you know, we're not trying to convert children. I mean, and that's really what I think a lot of people are thinking that gay people are trying to do and we're not, that's not anything what we're trying to do at all. So, you know, I, I don't really know what to really say about all that, except for it's ridiculous. It's really just stupid. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's stupid. It really is just stupid. You yeah. Know? Are you feel fearful for yourself? or any of your friends? Um, I, I get a lot from, I have children, I have two daughters and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tell you the way it is for them. They have been raised by two mothers and my oldest daughter, for instance, is 22. Her father's gay, I'm gay, and obviously her other mother's gay. She's been raised in the gay community her whole entire life, and she has been around wonderful, wonderful gay people. She's been around some terrible gay people. She's been around some wonderful straight people, some terrible straight people. She's 22 years old, um, and she's straight. So, you know, my 16-year-old has been raised in the gay community um as well as far as i know she's straight i mean but if she were to grow up you know in a few years and come to me and say hey mom i think that you know i'm gonna be gay i'm gonna i'm coming out to you now i would support her just the same so i mean our our same-sex parents raising children to be gay i don't think that's the case you know i mean yeah. You know. And what is it like for them living in Florida and seeing that maybe their mothers are not accepted in the way they, that they My oldest daughter does not like it at all. She's quite vocal about it. Um, my youngest one, she's with me all the time. She doesn't she doesn't really care one way or the other. Um, because I'm not you know, I'm not in direct line of fire with anything. Um, now, 
I have had family members say to me that, you know, people don't like the fact that, you know, we're gay and we have children. Although I've never really personally had anybody say anything out of the way to me. But then again, I'm quite outspoken. My partner, on the other hand, is not. We're quite different when it comes to, you know, she's quiet. I am not so much, even whether I'm drinking or I'm not drinking. Um, I'm quite opinionated. Um, she's not. Um, but no one has ever really said anything to me. Um, except for a few family members have said anything. And that's just because they're a little bit older. And I think it's generational. I, I don't think it's anything else. Now, as far as, you know, when we're out in public together, her and I do, we don't hold hands. We're not all over each other. We're not, we're not, I, I'm, I'm going to say disrespectful just for a lack of a better word. But if we were, I don't think it would be disrespectful. Um, now, she, on the other hand, she just doesn't feel that that's something that's correct. But um, we also don't have the stereotype look, I, I guess you would say. I don't know what the look is really. Well, I mean, I guess I do, but I we don't have that look. Um but Florida is also a transient state, so we have so many people in and out. Um, I don't know. And um, you said that you live uh, in Miami. I do live in Miami. Yeah, which seems to be a little bit more of flamboyant and different, and people are. I mean, yeah. Miami is Miami. <laughs> yeah. And did you choose Miami because of the community and knowing that you'd be more accepted there than in other parts of Florida? No, no. I was born and raised in Orlando. Um, my partner's from Miami um, and we have family here and we just, we've, we've always, I've always lived in Florida and so has she. So, yeah, I mean, I've Florida is is always been home. I mean, we just happen to have an idiot governor. <laughs> I mean, I can't do anything about that. Um, now, I do have friends who have who are gay, who are same sex, and they have a plan to to leave the state if it happens to keep getting worse. I mean, if it gets worse, if it keeps on the same path in which it keeps going, but also our governor is running for president. Um, do I, I mean, I, I don't think that that, or I hope that that's not the case, but you know, they, they have a plan to lead the state of Florida should things here get to be worse. I think things have kind of calmed down a little bit because I just think people stop listening after a while. But there, there are people who are scared. I have social work friends who are, 
who are afraid because they, you know, we have done so much. I think the older generation to be able to come out and live freely, you know, gay marriage has been passed, um, to be able to come out and live in the light, so to speak, that now a lot of friends, a lot of my friends feel that they're being put back into the closet. So I think that's a fear a lot of people have, you know, and a lot of entertainers, a lot of the drag queens, you know, especially during the pride time, they feel they were in fear that they were going to be arrested because that was the threat. I know that here in Miami that the police, I don't think we're going to uphold that. They weren't going to do that. Now there were other places that just canceled pride altogether. So they just canceled the pride, you know, like I think Wilton Manor and some different places in Fort Lauderdale they just canceled Pride. St. Pete, where we I was living for a while, I think there was talk of them canceling Pride, but they didn't. Um, so there were there were people that were just afraid because of the things that the governor had put in place, the laws that he wanted to happen. You know that they were just they were in fear. Yeah. You know? Besides besides the governor, how are the people? Because I know that a lot of People in Florida have also been in support of the governor and right, uh, right. have been violent in some cases. Well, I mean, if you look on TikTok or Instagram, I mean, yeah, there's been people who have said, you know, um, they have voiced their opinions in a, um, a violent kind of way. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I haven't heard. I mean, I'm sure there has been, but I, I, I can't personally speak to that because I haven't heard. Now I don't really watch the news a lot because I, I've gotten so sick of hearing all the nonsense. Um, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter, but, you know, I would much rather have the days. I cannot believe I'm going to say this where people can actually hear me say this. I would much rather have the days of him being back than to know that there's a possibility that we would have Ron DeSantis as a president or that we would continue to have him as a governor here in Florida. I mean, that's the scariest thing. I mean, you know, I mean, they passed the law that he can continue to be governor while he's running for for president. That is just that is just an unheard of thing. Nowhere else has that happened. I'm so sorry. Nowhere, nowhere else has that happened. Nowhere else. That's my other daughter. <laughs> nowhere else has that happened. Yeah. I mean, how full of yourself do you have to be to have those laws passed? And the difference, I mean, Ron DeSantis, I mean, he can put full sentences together. He's, he is, he's scary because he is highly educated. I mean, he's, he's, that's what makes him the most dangerous. 
And yeah. I think that's what a lot of a lot of my friends have said. You know, that's what makes him scary to them. Yeah, you because know. he has the capacity of really getting these things passed legally. Yes. Uh, yeah. And really making it uh, a tough space to live. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's going after Mickey Mouse, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. So, I mean, and that's just the LGBT community attacking them is just one thing. I mean, I mean, we're going on book bans and we're, go but that's all over the United States, I think, you know, and, and he's fighting Disney and Disney is a big supporter of the LGBTQ community. They were one of the first supporters in the state of Florida for them. So, yeah, it's, it's hard here. So, yeah. And so do you and your family have plans in place to leave if things get worse or have you discussed it at all? No, we haven't even discussed it. No, no, we haven't. So what is, what is next for you? Personally, what's next for me? Well, what's personally next for me is I will continue to run my practice, my life coaching practice here. Raising my daughter, school is going to start soon. And I will continue supporting my LGBTQ community and my friends and just living my life and hoping that things in our state calm down. So, and, uh, so what is the best way? So let's say somebody is listening right now and they mm -hmm. want to support the, the LGBTQ community in Florida. What are some ways that they could do that? What are the best ways that they could support them? Yeah. Well, um, They could go on Facebook and I will tell you the best person to contact to, to find out all that information that they would love to find out about that. They got Instagram and Facebook. They can contact Nikki Adams and she would love to give them all that information. That okay. would, yes, she's the person to contact in the state of Florida. And most people who live here would know exactly who that is. So... All right. Awesome. So you heard it here. If you want to support people in Florida, um, contact Nikki Adams and she'll let you know. How. Absolutely. So if people want to support you or um, how, how are you working with people? Do you work one-on-one? -on -one? Are you, do you have group coaching programs? How do you work with people? I, um, I work face-to-face. -face. I work, um, I do telehealth, I do phone, I do, um, I can do group coaching. I pretty much do it all across the board. They could contact me at Coral Gables Counseling Center. Um, I have the phone number for there. They can contact me on Facebook. They can contact me on Instagram. They can contact me uh, via email. Any kind of way they can, they can contact me. So. Sure. So can you share uh, your different handles so that if somebody's listening right now, they know how to contact you? Absolutely. Um, my office phone number is 
um, 445-0477. That is Coral Gables Counseling Center. Um, my Facebook is Jenny Kennedy, J-E-N-I-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y. And then um, um, my Instagram is Mama J536. And then um, my email is um, Jenny, and it's all lowercase J E N I at Coral Gables Counseling.com. So they can contact me at any of those. Awesome. So. And is there any final nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? Just jump joyfully and be well. Thank you so much. That's that's great advice. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Jenny. And having me. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I really hope that if you're watching this now or you're watching this on the replay, um, and you know somebody that could use Jenny's services or you feel inspired by her story, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share this video so that uh, more people can find out about her and, um, and take advantage of what she has to offer. Thank you, and I will see you next week for another episode of the Galicia Podcast.